Hey, of all the things that you've got going on in your day, the fact that you included us in your day means so much to us. Welcome to The Quest. We are so glad you guys are with us, especially if you're just checking us out. We always encourage our guests to scan the QR code that's there. That QR code will pop up a link. It'll give you more information about who we are as a church. Also, we understand that there are some people that like to watch from the back row. In other words, with as little human contact as necessary. And if that's you, we totally understand and respect that. Hopefully at some point you'll want to connect with us and we want to be available for that when you desire that. We also want to remind everyone that all of our talks are available in podcast form. All you have to do is search Fresno Quest Church on any of the podcast platforms that you're a part of and you will find us there. Now one of the things that we do every single week is we pray together because we want to invite God into the activity of our lives. We want to bring ourselves to a place of surrendering to God and acknowledging our need for God. And so this, right now, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, I would encourage you to invite God into the activity of your day. And not just the activity of your day, but into the activity of your heart. The anxieties, the worries, the fears, all of those things that create barriers that keep us from God. This is a great time to bring God into that and to allow Him to bring peace and faith and joy and all of the things that He wants to do as He steps into our lives. So let's do that together. Father, we love you. Father, we are so grateful for your love for us and your activity in our lives and your desire to do life with us. And today, as we come before you, we surrender ourselves to you and we ask that you would breathe life into us and breathe peace and joy and faith and all of the things that we need so desperately in our lives, that you would breathe patience into our lives. Father, we need you in the chaos of this world that we live in, especially in what we're looking at today. Father, I ask that you would help each one of us to draw our faith, to draw our strength from you. Father, for everyone that's listening and whatever's going on in their day, you are intimately involved and I ask that your will would be done and that, Father, you would be glorified in our lives today. Father, speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited to begin a brand new series today. It's getting more and more difficult to live in a world that is at odds with our beliefs. There's a huge culture shift happening in the world that we live in. It's becoming more difficult to live a godly life in an ungodly culture. And when we're pushed to our limits in this tension, we have a choice to make. Will we choose the path of least resistance or will we choose courage to take a stand? That is what we're calling our series, and that is Stand. Today we're looking at what it means to stand out with God. In our world today, spiritual issues are framed in political policies. As the culture shifts and becomes more ungodly, we recognize the spiritual battle in our daily lives. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says this, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything with love. That is a, such an important scripture for us. When cultures collide and it's difficult to live a godly life in an ungodly culture, we need the courage to stand, but not just stand. We need to have the courage to stand in this culture with faith and with love. When you personally face the conflict and tension of living in an ungodly culture, how do you respond? You can write these down. Some people respond, they shut down and cower to the culture. In other words, they become passive. They basically don't engage the culture at all. 
And then there's some that engage the culture in an unspiritual way. In other words, we tend to fight fire with fire. We respond to the world as the world responds to us. And, and that oftentimes becomes anger and hatred towards others. And that's not spiritual. And, and then there's some that become like the culture. For many people, over time, they become like the culture that they live in. And there's a lot of factors that play into this. The friends that we have, the environments that we choose, the way that we think, and what we believe to be true. In Romans, it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't become like the world or follow the patterns of the world or imitate the behaviors of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow godly thoughts to shape godly behavior. And in this, we are to do everything that we do in love. The spiritual response to an unspiritual culture. Not responding in anger. You, you know the scripture, it says this, God didn't give us the spirit of cowardice, but rather of power, love, and self-control. We can engage the culture that we live in with power, with love, and with self-control. So write this down. God's Spirit enables us to stand with love. It's not impossible to live a godly life in an ungodly culture. So how do you live a godly life in a culture that is pulling you towards compromised life? How do you stand strong in a culture that's fighting to make you weak? Well, a guy named Daniel in the Old Testament finds himself in those exact circumstances. In a lot of ways, the same culture that we find ourselves living in today, and he gives us some great lessons of how to stand out with God. Let me just give you a bit of the backstory. King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon at the time, which is modern-day Iraq. He was an evil king that attacked and destroyed Jerusalem. And this guy was so evil, he didn't just destroy the city, he destroyed the temple. And not just the temple, but he went into the temple and he took the symbols in the temple and he crushed some and he destroyed some. He burned some and then he used some to offer to his own gods. As if to say, your God is powerless to me and to the gods that I worship. It was a very in-your-face kind of statement. And then not only did he just destroy the city and the temple, but he also goes on to say, I'm going to destroy your future, not just your past and not just your present, but I'm going to destroy your future. And that's where we pick up the story in chapter 1, verse 3, that says it like this. Then the king ordered Aspenas, the chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, these people, these Israelites that had been captured. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter in the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So what the king told the chief of the officials to do is he says, I want these guys to speak like we speak, to think like we think, and to behave like we behave, which really mirrors the same policy that the prince of this world our spiritual enemy, Satan, his very 
tactics that he uses against followers of Christ. He says, I want you to think like the world thinks. I want you to believe like the world believes. And I want you to behave like the world behaves. And you might be asking, why did God allow his chosen people, the Israelites, why did he allow this to happen to them? It's because God continually warned them because they would turn their back against God, they would disobey God, and they would do their own thing, and they would embrace the culture. And God says, if you don't turn to me, I'm going to give you to the culture. And that's exactly what happened. So what do you do when the culture shifts, when the culture that you're in is against you? The question is, when the culture changes, will you? But we also got to remember, culture may change, but God doesn't. You don't have to be very old to look back and to see how culture has shifted and continues to shift. The culture is constantly changing. It is definitely ungodly, but it is becoming more hostile towards the things of God and the ways of God. So how do we stand for God? How do we stand out for God in a corrupt culture? You can write this down. There are always things in our lives that have to be removed from our lives if we're going to stand out for God. God wants you to be a leader, to be an influencer for his kingdom. When we belong to God, we will stand out from the world. In fact, if you don't want to be a part of the world, you have to live different from the world. As a pastor, I always have people come to me and say, hey, Dave, can I do this and still be a Christian? A lot of times we're looking for that line. What's the line that I can't go past? Can I do this and still be a Christian? Can I go there? Can I do that? Can I drink that? Can I say that? Because those kind of things really don't bother me. And I would say, if those things don't bother you, you've kind of proved the point. Because those are things that maybe should bother you. My job is not to tell you necessarily what is right and wrong. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. My job is to connect you to God so that you can effectively hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So something else to write down is this. We stand out for God when we're resolved to stand with God. Do you stand with God? Are are you resolved to stand with God? Daniel and his friends discovered the agenda of an ungodly culture, what this ungodly culture is really trying to do to them. So I want us to look at three things that an ungodly culture will do to us or seek to do to us if we let it. The first one is this. The culture will try to rename you. It will try to change your identity from who God made you to be to be what the world wants you to be. And it's all a direct assault on your God-given destiny. See, one of the things that happened in this story is that these young men that were taken, these best of the best, the first thing is they were renamed. You can look at it. Daniel, his Hebrew meaning was, God is my judge. In other words, he says, I answer to God and God alone. That was the meaning of his name. But the new culture said, no, no, no. We're going to give you a Babylonian name. We're going to allow the culture to name you. And we're going to name you Belteshazzar, which means lady protect the king. Now, first of all, just let that soak in for a moment. Let the spirit speak to you and show you what's in that statement. But the enemy will always seek to attack your gender, to bring gender confusion. And that's exactly what's going on in our world today. When they renamed Daniel, they said basically, hey, you're a lady and you don't answer to God, you answer to us. And what they were doing is they were changing the focus of Daniel's life in the meaning of his name from God to man. God doesn't have the right to label you. You do. 
That is exactly the lie that the culture is feeding this world today. So write this down. Standing out means we get our identity from God. We allow God to speak our identity. We don't allow the culture to shape our identity. Who does God say that you are? That is your identity. You answer to God and to God alone. Now, one of Daniel's friends, his name was Hananiah, which means Yahweh has been gracious. In other words, God is gracious to me. What an amazing God that I serve. And they said, no, we're going to give you a Babylonian name and that would be Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. In other words, God is not good. He's mad at you. God is not someone that can be trusted. God is someone that you need to be afraid of and run from. It changed the focus from God is good to God is bad. And again, that is exactly what's happening in our culture we live in today. The culture says you don't want to serve God. You don't want to serve Jesus. He's going to restrict your life. He's going to make your life no fun. A life of following Jesus is a life of boredom. Why would you want to be a part of that? I want to remind you that God wants the best for you, not the worst for you. So standing out means I have confidence in God. I have confidence that God loves me, that God wants the very best for me. Another one of Daniel's friends, his name was Mishael, which means there is nobody like my God. There is nobody like my God. I live in awe of God and his wonder and his greatness and his power. There's no one as loving, as compassionate, as patient, or as powerful as God. But the Babylonians said, no, we're going to rename you and give you a Babylonian name, which is Meshach. In other words, I'm despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Man, this is such a huge one in our culture today as well. It changes the focus of our lives from confidence to cowardice. The way I see this happening in our culture that we live in is the culture is telling the church, shut up. You have nothing to say. We don't want to hear your outdated beliefs. We don't want your belief system in our politics. The culture is telling the church there is a separation of church and state. But the whole purpose of the separation of church and state is not so that the church wouldn't interfere with government. It was so that the government wouldn't interfere with the church. Listen, as Christ followers that live in America, we are still a part of we, the people. And we have a voice. Again, the culture wants Christians to be quiet and to shut up. The culture is pushing Christ followers to cowardice. And listen, I'm not saying that we're supposed to be brash or get in people's face. That's not at all it. All we say, we're to say with love. Remember the scripture that we read earlier said this, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. So we can be courageous and strong with love and speak the truth. The enemy wants you to live in fear and to be a coward, but we can't be afraid to share what we know is true and what we believe is true. So standing out means we sometimes speak out. But when we speak out, when we share what we believe, when we share what is true, when we share God's love, when we share God's standard, when we share God's principles and God's priorities, we always share it with love. Another one of Daniel's friends' names was Azariah, which means God has helped me. 
It was an intimate statement. It meant that God is close to me, that God is my helper, that God is my father, that he is my provider, that he cares for me. But they said, no, we're going to give you a Babylonian name, and that name is Abednego, which means you're now going to be a servant of Nebo. And what he did was they changed the focus from his life from son to slave, from victor to victim, from power to powerlessness, from hope to hopelessness. And so you can write this down, standing out means that we are a part of the family of God. When you're a part of the family of God, when you belong to God, you're not a victim. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. You're an heir of the kingdom. You have hope, power, peace in God's presence with you because you are in the family. You have protection. See, so if we're going to stand out, we've got to respond to an ungodly culture in a godly way. So something I want you to write down, when culture shifts, it's going to try to rename you. And we better know who we are. You need to be secure in your identity in Christ. God's identity for you will always offend the culture of this world. And many of us need healing from our past, from false identities that have been placed on us. People that have said you're a loser, people that have said, you can't be trusted. People that have said you'll never amount to anything. People that have said you can't be used by God. Because of false identities, many people believe, well, you know what, that's just who I am. Or that's just the way God made me. And we need healing for false identities that have been placed on us. You have to know who God made you to be or you will allow the culture to give you a false identity. The next verse is found in verse 8. It says this, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in that way. Notice he didn't say, hey, y'all are going to hell for doing these things. He allowed them to do what they do, but he resolved to not be a part of it. The food and wine issue was a big attack to the Jewish culture itself because they had such strict dietary laws that they were following. Laws that God had given to them. Laws that they were committed to. And also the food and wine that the king would have partaken of was first offered to idols in worship before being served to the king. This would have been against everything the Jewish people stood for, everything that they were committed to in their relationship with God. I love how Daniel says, he doesn't get in their face and say, I'm not doing this. He says, hey, would you mind if I don't partake in this? We can't miss the courtesy in his resolve because that's how we're supposed to act in a culture that doesn't like us. And the reason why Daniel's resolve is so important is this next point. When culture shifts, it will try to tame you. The culture tries to make us people without convictions, people without priorities. Convictions are principles that we have as followers of Christ that we are convinced that this is how God wants us to behave in a certain way. We're committed to God to not compromise our behavior. What's sad is many Christ followers have no convictions, nothing that is sacred, no behavior that they believe God wants them to live out. Culture tries to lure us into doing something that we know is wrong. It tries to tell us, oh, it's not that bad and nobody's going to get hurt. And sometimes we respond, you know what, I'll just go along with it and avoid the conflict. The culture 
of this world will constantly try to tame you. And again, I'm not trying to tell you where you're compromising. You have the Holy Spirit to do that. But I would ask, what are the things that you feel that God is saying, do not compromise in this area? What are the convictions that you have in your life? Do you have convictions in your life? What are some things that you know that God wants for you and from you? Listen, every time the culture shifts, it's going to try to bring your convictions with it and change them. I want to encourage you, when culture shifts, don't lose your convictions. And understand this, when you stand on your convictions, when you stand out with God, and you stand on these convictions, it's going to make the culture mad. You're going to get a response. So we continue the story and it goes this way. Now God had caused the official, Aspenaz, to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. I mean, he's afraid of the king. And he's like, hey, why should I give my head for your beliefs? But God granted Daniel favor. And it goes on to say, Daniel then said to the guard, whom this chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the other young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Listen, when the culture shifts, you will be tested. When you find yourself in a culture, an ungodly culture that is against the godliness in your life, there is always going to be a test. There's always going to be a pressure to give in, to blend in rather than stand out. There's always going to be that moment when the culture gets in your face and it's going to force you to stand or sit, to speak up or shut up. Where you stand is what's important. And the reason why is the culture is going to try to claim you as its own. There is a battle for you. There is a battle for young people. There is a battle for young adults, for young couples. The world is pulling one arm and God is pulling the other and we feel the internal tug. You feel the culture and your friends that are a part of the world pulling you, trying to claim you. They want you to be part of them and to be long with them. So write this down, when culture shifts, never give in to pressure. When people say, come on, nobody's ever going to know. Come on, it won't hurt anyone. Or when they start saying, what? You think you're better than me? You think you're more righteous than me? Just say, no, I don't want to do that. No, I choose not to be a part of that. No, I've resolved not to allow that in my life. We need that encouragement. We need to be reminded not to give in to pressure. It goes on in the story and it says this, after they had been tested, it says, In every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enhancers in his whole kingdom. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier than those that ate from the king's table. They looked better than all the other young men. And listen, here's what happens. We get told God doesn't want the best for you. God's ways are not the best ways. You might even struggle with the very same thoughts. Are God's ways really the best ways? I want to remind you that God's ways are always better. When we stand with God, God stands with us. 
And listen, it's because of Daniel's obedience and his refusal to compromise. God gave Daniel the ability to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, which is found in chapter 2. You need to read it. It is pretty amazing. And as Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, Nebuchadnezzar actually says, Daniel, your God is greater than all gods. Your God is the real God. And like we talked about last week, when we stand with God, when we stand out with God, then God gets the glory in our lives. So two questions I want to ask really fast, two questions that are action steps for our lives. We need to contemplate and we need to apply to our lives. The first question is this, am I going to change the world or let the world change me? Am I going to stand out for God or am I going to stand with the world? When the culture shifts, will I? When the culture seeks me to lower my standard, when the culture seeks me to compromise, will I compromise or will I stand out with God? Am I going to set the culture or reflect the culture? Am I going to be a thermometer or am I going to be a thermostat? We don't have to get in people's face. We don't have to tell people how bad that they are. We don't even have to tell people all that we're against. We tell people what we are for. Remember, Jesus says, hey, you're a light in the world. Let your light shine so that others will see and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So I would say, let your light shine. And here's the second question. Will my identity come from God or from the world? It's not enough to privately identify with God. We are to publicly identify with God. A personal relationship with Jesus is never private. It has to be public. Remember the scripture that Jesus said this, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Matthew 10, he says, But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Listen, when you choose to follow Christ, you choose to belong to Christ. You are a part of the family. And we have to choose to identify with Christ. We have to take on the identity that he's given to us. Children of God, heirs to the kingdom, followers of Christ, fully committed. And one of the best ways to identify with Jesus is water baptism. We need a public expression of an internal dedication. And if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to sign up to do that. I want to encourage you to get water baptized so that you have this public expression of your internal dedication. We need baptism in our life. Listen to the scripture in Romans 6. It says, For sin's power over us was broken when we became Christians and were baptized to become part of Jesus Christ. Sin's power is broken when we decide to follow Jesus, when we dedicate our lives to Jesus. Listen, you want to be blessed of God, you want to stand out with God, then you have to stand with God, not with the culture. And the first thing that we do, I want to encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've not accepted what Jesus did on the cross for you, where he died for your sins, 